Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Linda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio program. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and today we're going to be talking about persecution-induced loneliness. We know that persecution has begun in earnest and is steadily increasing, especially against Christians. God knows there is every kind of persecution out there today, thanks to the cancel cultures wanting to play God. They have decided everybody should believe like they do, and if anyone dares to refuse, they will be ostracized from society. Luckily, we Christians are already used to being ostracized, so... But make no mistake, Christians will eventually be branded haters and dissenters and be shunned. Any who do not shun us once that time begins will be punished along with us. Now, that's something the Lord has shown me about the time coming. There's a cute illustration about persecution I've shared before, but it's such an accurate picture of Americans. I'm going to share it again. There's a cartoon that puts persecution into perspective. It has four panels in which we see people praying. In the first panel, a New Testament Christian, Lord Give me the courage to face this accusing mob. In the second one, a Reformation Christian. Lord, help me declare your truth despite the cost. In the third, a 20th century Christian from Soviet Russia. Lord, may we persevere faithfully under these burdens. In the fourth panel, today's American Christian. Lord, the Audi's been running a little rough lately. So we all know that persecution is no joke but you especially know that if you've been experiencing it lately. In America, we have not had a tremendous amount of contact with it until here recently, but now it is definitely rearing its ugly head. The Lord is drawing the dividing line, and the time has come when each man must choose which God he will serve and commit to it, because in this time it will literally become a matter of life or death here and in the hereafter. You know, truth can change your consequences, but no consequence should ever change your truth. Persecution happens when we are bold enough to stand for what we believe in, regardless of who does not like it. Many of you have experienced persecution by your family or friends for being sold out to Jesus. The world in general is not with us on that, and sometimes even our families laugh at us or scorn us for it. But the persecution here lately is beginning to get far worse than just being laughed at or scorned. We are to the point now where people are just pulling out on us, literally. My friend Grace told me yesterday over breakfast when I was talking about working on a podcast about loneliness that she had just seen two posts on Twitter by people whose spouses had left them because they refused to take the COVID vax. Are you kidding me? You've got to be kidding me. She said one of them was posted by a man with a picture of a wedding ring on a table saying he had been married like nine years or something. And his wife had just left him because he refused to take the vaccine. That was when the Lord showed me this was the kind of loneliness he wanted me to talk about on this podcast. So I have with me on the show today, Ray Bergman. And y'all have listened to him before. He runs the Innocence Redeemed blog, which, by the way, I highly recommend and our mutual friend, Tom Bixler, in Michigan, and we are going to be talking about persecution-induced loneliness. 
Welcome to the show again, Ray. Hi, Glenda. Thank you for having me back. And Tom, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks, Glenda and Ray, for having me. It's a great honor. Hey, brother. Howdy, brother. So we're going to be talking about persecution-induced loneliness or loneliness that is caused by people persecuting and rejecting you because of what you believe. So, Ray, I know at one time you were in the wilderness and you had started talking about the Lord a lot in that time in your life. Did you notice any difference with your friends then? Well, Glenda, for me, when the Lord called me back to him and I actively was seeking repentance, I just began to notice a pattern where the communications were coming to a halt with old friends of mine. I was changing, and so when I would speak to them, I was just finding more and more that I had less and less in common with them. And this was a long before I even knew that I would be doing a blog, and I was feeling led to start writing, though I didn't understand why at first. So during that time, I sometimes would occasionally share my writings with a few friends that I had known for a number of years. And I mean, we're talking going back 18 years for some of them. And I don't think they understood that I had a powerful experience when the Lord called me back to him in my moment of desperation. And I'm not sure if they knew how to deal with that. I really don't know how to take it because they didn't respond at all. So that said a lot right there on top of the fact that I just couldn't really relate to them anymore. I didn't like the same things or have the same interests as I once shared with them. Yeah, I experienced something really similar to that back when I got saved in 1996. The friends who did still talk to me at all, when I got saved, I, I lost every friend I had but one. So I had one friend that would talk to me, and the rest of them were like, yeah, we are just going to stand over here on this side of the room. And we just didn't have anything in common anymore. When somebody else is, you know, walking in the world and you're walking with one foot in heaven, it's, it's, it's really hard to relate to them. And when you enter... A true walk with the Lord, the world loses any interest for you. Yeah, and once the Lord called me back to him, I realized what I was truly lacking all along, and that was a true relationship with Jesus. And I had become horribly backslidden for a number of years, even though he greatly blessed me trying to get my attention in that way. But I was hard-headed and stubborn and not realizing how lost I really was. I mean, when you aren't living right, you just don't see it. And you're very much so into the worldly, so you're not really paying attention to it in that way. So when you repent and the Lord is establishing himself within you, you no longer desire those things of the past. And because people knew you from when you were like that, they can't see you as anyone else. But that person they knew for all those years is all they see. That is so true. They knew you when, and that's the only you they know. Yeah, and you know, Glenda, we read in First Peter 4, verse 4, in regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Now, am I saying they spoke evil of me? Uh, no, not at all. At least I would hope not anyway. I mean, I don't feel I ever wronged them in any way, and I was always supportive of them. But I believe it was likely more so because I had nothing much in common with them anymore. I wasn't running with them in that flood of dissipation like I once did, that I just related from uh, in First Peter 4, verse 4. And, you know, when we look at uh, Colossians 3, verse 5 and 7, and which to any new believer, Colossians 3 is all about living the new life in Jesus Christ. It says, in verse, starting on verse 5, So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. 
and keep emphasis there on uh, worshiping the things of this world, because I'm going to come back to that later. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. And then verse 7 of Colossians 3 is key in what I'm talking about. When I refer to what is worldly, it says, you used to be, you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. I'll admit I had part in many of those sins listed in what I just read there from Colossians 3. And when I began to change, I even spoke differently and began focusing on Jesus and what actually mattered to me in addition to focus on that which I needed to change about myself. And that was the spirit of repentance. And when you're in the wilderness, you get a lot of reflection time. And because I was out of work, the friends I had all those years just really didn't have anything to say to me. They couldn't relate to what I was going through. They didn't seem to really offer much support. I mean, these were just my own observations. And, you know, there's a saying that goes, nobody loves you when you're down. And I'm not sure that might be even a song. I can't recall. But either way, for me, I couldn't help but feel that way, like I had been abandoned. I remember in the really terrible wilderness of 2009, 2010, when I almost became homeless, I remember feeling abandoned. I remember trying to tell somebody I was close to what was going on. And the answer I got was, hey, I got my own problems. And I was like, wow, really? And that was a, a real painful wake-up call. You know, when you're in the wilderness, you're there by yourself. Yep. And, and that's when I learned that. After that, I didn't reach out to anyone except my friend John Morgan, who was still alive back then. The wilderness is a lonely place. It gives you a whole new perspective on that 40 days that Jesus spent there. Amen. Yes, that was a very lonely time in my life, too. But all the same, I prayed that the Lord would surround me with friends that would help me and uh, lift me up and encourage me in my walk. I didn't block anyone or tell them that I was cutting ties, but they just stopped reaching out. And I just stopped reaching out to them. I have to say that I can't be sure what's worse, those who may persecute you to your face or those who appear to give the silent treatment. And then you are left by yourself to figure it out. But you know what? I wasn't alone. I mean, I had Jesus. And the more I was getting deeper into my walk with the Lord and spending time in his word, the more wisdom was given unto me to understand the reasons for these separations. And now I can understand why when I look back on everything. Yeah, you're so right. And that's what it did to me, too. It drove me to him, to the throne again and again. I think I would take the silent treatment over persecution, but maybe that's because it does drive me to the throne. But neither one is any fun. At least persecution increases our rewards in heaven. Absolutely. And you can also tie what I just said to uh, 2 Corinthians 6, verses 17 and 18, and the unequally yoked, where it says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. And Glenda, you have given messages and talked in a podcast about the unequally yoked for a number of years now. So it wasn't just my friends not calling me. It was also part of that I stopped reaching out to them because I knew that I was changing and there just wasn't much to say or have in common. I needed to be among other believers and not just believers, but believers who were aware to the times we are living because I had already been aware of where things were going for over a decade by then. And that was another factor that was causing separation because they didn't seem to acknowledge anything was wrong when the signs are all around us as to the times where you're living. But you know, out of all of this, the Lord blessed me with new friends, those who are aware to the times. Me too. And those who can help encourage me, like you, Brother Tom, and others that I've met since uh, 
I, I came out of the wilderness and while I was still in the wilderness to pull me out of it. So in these situations, we always need to try to see the good to come out of them, even though it may look very grim in the beginning. Yeah. You know, if you aren't sure about your friends or even people in your family, ask the Lord to reveal it to you. He'll give you the wisdom to discern who is really for you if you will ask. And in this season we're going into now, that's actually a very merciful to those who he reveals the truth. Amen. We may not see it that way at first, but that is part of faith and trusting him to deliver us from evil. And if that requires separation from those we thought we knew, then he will do that. We just have to make sure that we are not clinging to the inevitable once we see it, once he shows it to us. And in the season, we need to be still when a relationship doesn't seem right and really reflect and be praying for revelation on what we're being shown. Amen. You know, here we are in the end of the end times. And I don't know about y'all, but at the last minute, I always thought of all people, you know, your family and your close friends would be there for you, right? Let's look at what the word says about that, because I started looking into that. And I was like, wow. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 35 and 36, for I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Now let's notice something here. The Bible doesn't say if you have a great tight knit family, you will be okay, but others won't. It says in Mark 13, 12, brother will betray brother to death and a father, his child and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. Luke 21, 16, but you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. And that's not exactly calming news, but Jesus did tell us this was going to happen, and even that it was why he came. In Luke 21, 17, and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. That's why it's happening. Matthew 24, 9, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. So not only will we be hated by everybody we know, but we will be hated by all nations. So even people in other nations will hate us. What could possibly be the purpose in all of this? Well, Matthew 24, 9 says, for his name's sake, God gets the glory when we refuse to choose anyone or anything over him. And also, these type of conflicts force us to choose which strengthens our commitment to him and our faith. Persecution strengthens your faith, and by the way, it also makes the church grow. Also, God proves himself to us yet again in these situations, as promised in Psalm 27:10, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Matthew 24, 10, we all know this one. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. We're seeing a lot of that these days. And though we will be hated and delivered up by our own family members, let's remember the Lord himself was both hated and abandoned in his darkest hour. In fact, he even felt that God had deserted him. In, in Matthew 27, 46, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabatani. And I'm not sure I'm saying that right. That is to say, <laughs> my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But the last part of Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So the Lord will never forsake us, whether or not we can feel his presence with us. Whatever we go through, he's going to be right there with us, giving us the grace to walk it out. 
And the word says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. I'm getting tongue-tied. Sorry, y'all. And Paul said in 2 Timothy 4.16, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. 2 Timothy 4.17, Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. So whatever we go through, as the Lord stood with and strengthened the apostles, so he will also stand with us and give us strength. In Mark 13, 11, But when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what you shall speak, neither do you premeditate. But whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye. For it is not you that speak, but the Holy Ghost. So at least we don't have to figure out how to answer them when we are accused. The Lord himself will put the words he wants us to speak on that day into our mouths. Hmm. And I want to mention here, there's four kinds of persecution identified in Luke 6.22, which says, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Those four types of persecution are, number one, hatred, when men shall hate you. Number two, separation by exclusion, when they shall separate you from their company. Number three, suffering, when they shall cast out your name as evil. And number four, reproaches, when they shall reproach you. And the reason we are persecuted is found in John 16, 3. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. They don't know Jesus. That's why they persecute us. So persecution does bring loneliness. What is loneliness? The Century Dictionary defines loneliness as the sense of being alone or lonely, dejection from want of companionship or sympathy or forlornness. I've experienced loneliness for many years, actually, mainly due to, you know, the, well, the work I do for one thing, but the Lord putting me in places where I'm set apart so that I can do the work of the kingdom that he's called me to do. Ray, have you ever experienced loneliness? Yes, and I go through that identically, just like uh, you just explained. I've had bouts of loneliness throughout my life also. I mean, I was always somewhat of an of an eccentric person, like a maverick in the sense that I didn't go along with the trends and was more independent to a degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like to have company at times, but not if I didn't like what they were into. So it's possible some may have just thought I was no fun. See, for me, I've always preferred the company of those who take interest in the things that I do, and I can't just go along with small talk or pop culture. I'm more of a deep thinker, and those things are irrelevant to me. Not to sound prideful, that's just the truth. I mean, as I grew older and I realized what was going on in the world or waking up to it, I took it very seriously where it was all I cared about for the longest time. And... It is, I still care about it, but I am more at peace now, at least about it. I can accept, you know, that not everyone's going to hear it. Yeah. And, you know, perhaps as a result, people thought I was being negative, but what they couldn't see is that I loved them. I cared about them, and that was the reason I would warn them or tell them about what was coming. Yeah. And many times I felt scoffed at. And so although I was on the speaking terms with many of my old friends and some extended family, I just stopped going there in my conversations with them because... You know, and because of that, it made me feel isolated and having a desire to be around like-minded individuals. Yeah, I can totally identify with everything you said because 
I tend to pull away from small talk and chit chat and that sort of thing. I'm, I've always been just a really serious person. And a lot of people do, did think that I was no fun too. So I get that. I still remember when I first gave my life to the Lord in 1996, <laughs> suddenly nobody wanted to talk to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe they didn't oh. know what to say anymore. I'm not sure. You know, we, like you said, we just didn't have anything in common because my mind was 100% focused on the Lord. I had found the truth and I was all about that then. And that is the loneliness of being different, you know. There's also, there, there's a loneliness that comes with aging, which I've just learned about in the last several years. Everybody doesn't call you up to go places and do things or hang out at your house when you're old. For any of you who don't know that, in case you don't know that yet. As the old man in Moonstruck says, I am old and the older not wanted. The guy who plays the grandpa in that movie. Hey, Glenda. Yes. Just to interject in that, it's not even just when you're old, because I went through a period of that in my early 20s where I was down to part-time work and I didn't have money to hang out and do anything. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I didn't yeah. suddenly exist during that time. Mm -hmm. yeah. I get that. You, you, can, you can participate, and or when you become a real devout Christian, you're not willing to participate in a lot of the things they do, and so they don't want you around. I think, too, that the light that's in us because of God's Spirit convicts the darkness in people that are not in the walk yet. I agree with that. But how about you, Tom? Oh, yes. I can hear my brother's voice right now saying, well, lighten up. You're just so heavy. Lighten so up. Heavy. How many You're times so have I heavy heard Heavy all the time. Yeah, yeah, the last 20 years. So many times I've heard that. Well, and what I wanted to say back was, well, I didn't find what you said one bit funny right there. So <laughs> Right. You know. <laughs> Um, what about loneliness, Tom? Have you gone through that too in your life? Absolutely. Uh, listening carefully to what both you and Ray have said, I will say I can relate, but in some slightly different ways based on my own experience. No matter in the end, though, because we all seem to be heading in the same direction, and that's the inevitable separation from others that Scripture warns us about. Amen. You see, my family was my friends. I say was because, quite frankly, I now have compelling reasons to go to prayer about this and to seek the counsel and wisdom of like-minded folks who can understand. Yeah. Because, Glenda, as you said, you said, now let's notice something here. You said, the Bible doesn't say, if you have a great tight-knit family, you will be okay, but others won't. It says, on the other hand, brother will betray brother to death and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. Yeah. Uh, you know, I always struggled mightily with this piece of scriptural revelation because to me, it was what I will call the essence of a nightmare. Yeah. To have family turn against family, that's just something horrible to me. Um, it's something I never thought possible in my own life, and yet clearly, to a degree, it's happening now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I grew up pretty privileged. I mean, I lived, I grew up with a, a loving, stable, generous father and a very capable and tenderly loving mother. And even though this year has been a nightmare of sorts, or at least it could be much worse, I really do have a great family. I mean, to give credit where credit's due, my goodness, I mean, they're responsible, they're hardworking. They're highly educated, they're successful, they're materially blessed, and they have many, many fine worldly virtues. I mean, they've got it going on. 
They're not a bad family. And on top of it all, <laughs> we make some really pretty babies in my family, you know, <laughs> including my dear son, whom I think is the prettiest of all. But, you know, I'm a little biased. But, <clears throat> but you know, seriously, I mean, ever so seriously, I see fundamental problems now based on false beliefs concerning true love and respect. This is serious stuff. I mean, the underlying demon here is fear. And you know those letters, F-E-A-R, they form a perfect acronym for false evidence appearing real. Yep. There's an insidious, you know, with fear, there's an insidious underlayment of deception. And this is, you know, this is how so-called falsely accused witches got hung from trees centuries ago. Amen. Um, and, and this is, we know, what's truly plaguing our entire society at this time. It, it's the same spirit in a, in a different form. Amen. It is the same spirit. You hit, it on the, you hit the nail on the head right there. Thank you. And, and you know, we're, I don't mean to, you know, to put, a, to put discouragement into any of this. This is just an observation that I, I, I think just, it's just glaring, becoming glaringly obvious. But we're not evolving as a society. No. We're, we're actually devolving. Yep, I and agree. the evidence of, of the dissolution is everywhere. But I don't want to digress too far with that. But, you know, as for the resulting loneliness, I can speak to that as it links to betrayal and fear within my own family. But, you know, for the moment, I think I'll defer back to Ray because he has some very resonant and relatable things to say about loneliness that I know are, are going to bless many here. I want to I want to interject one thing, Ray, before I hand that to you, before he hands sure. that over to you. Yeah, sure. He was talking about the lack of respect. You know, in a loving family, you respect somebody being different. You respect That's right. Them. And although my family was could not have been more surprised when I got saved, and I can totally understand that because of my past, but I will mm -hmm. say this, they've come around and they do respect my beliefs. In fact, they're almost all saved now, which is a big help. But that's a, a strange feeling, though, to be, you know, you love these people so much and would you know. lay down your life for them. You would do anything for them. And yet the very basic virtue of respect is not there. Mm -hmm. you know, strange feeling. Anyway. That just strikes a chord right there. Yeah. What do yeah. you think, Ray? I'm in agreement with both of you. And, I, you know, actually, I've been through that. Um, you know, for I was telling Tom about that the other day in a, a phone call we had behind the scenes that, you know, I went through that um, with extended family around the holidays. They wouldn't get together with us all year. And mm. then I would go over there and they would have us there early enough. But then dinner wouldn't be ready. We'd be sitting around. But they would be kind of like people who would talk would be off in their own groups. And like I'd be sitting outside on the patio with my mother and they would want to open their presence in front of us. And then I was, it was coming out to me with coworkers that they were talking about me behind my back and scoffing oh, wow. at me and laughing. Yeah. And it's like, I just, oh. as the years went forward, I just, I didn't want to be around them anymore. No. And eventually I stopped. And then they, you know, got mad one year when I said, well, I'm not going over there. Like, well, it's family. You're supposed to be with family. And it's like, I don't play pretend. No, no, I'm not good at pretending either. I can relate. Yeah. And so, Tom, I'm in agreement with you, and loneliness and thoughts and beliefs can also be spiritual. If I'm alone in spirit, how can I truly feel like I'm loved or that others care mm -hmm. about the things I care about? Amen. It's like I was mentioning earlier, you may have friends, 
but do you really have in common what's important or are they just a collection you would have as if you were on social media like this you know facebook yeah well and i'll just say a very a very little thing here Ray, what you're talking about is those little canary in the coal mine moments, and they often come up during holidays, birthdays, funerals, and other kinds of events. The hypocrisy, too. Let's go. To, let's go to church on Christmas, but we don't go the rest of the year. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's the idea that you know, I I, I hear you about the chatter, and and those are those moments we need to pay attention to. Like, well, you're just so quiet when we're all together, and it just seems like you're sitting there judging us all. I'm like, well, no, I wasn't judging you. I just couldn't get an ed edge in, you know, <laughs> I couldn't get a word in edgewise because, you know, y'all had hors d'oeuvres and you were having cocktails for two hours and you got so loud I couldn't even hear what you were saying. And you were talking over one another and I decided I was just going to listen. And some may take that as bitterness, but you know, right. there's, there is there is a saying that goes. There, right, just being part of a fellowship. Yeah, and there's a saying that goes, when you have nothing good to right. say, you're not going to say anything. Right. That's it. Tom, them thinking that you were judging them, that was a case where the light in you was convicting the darkness in them. That's what that was. Oh, boy. You weren't That's... judging anybody. You were just sitting there waiting for a chance to talk. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And when I was on social media, I had over 100 friends on that site in the brief time I was on it. You know, that was Facebook back in the day. Yeah. And in, it was depressing while everyone was showing me what they ate or the lady friends were sharing pictures of their manicures and their nails being done. Yeah. And like, I really care about that. And <laughs> here, here I was posting what I would want someone to show me and, you know, material and articles about our freedoms being eroded. And I was lucky to get two likes, if even that the majority of the time, sometimes, sometimes a week would go by and there would be no activity at all. And I'm like, why, why am I on here? Why do I even have this anymore? Yeah. Right. There was a great feeling of cognitive disconnect, or better known as indifference, and I felt isolated as a result, and that led to depression, much in the same way I explained earlier, which is when I left social media for the most part, and that was back in 2011. Uh, you know, it's hard to play pretend and care for things, like I was mentioning earlier, that are purely vanity when you see how much evil there is in the world, and you are trying to warn those you care about to pay attention so as to avoid the traps, and then they're not listening. Yep. And as to where we are now, that indifference hasn't exactly aged very well. And this is a big part of what is leading to the persecution. So, you know, let's put this into perspective. If the grid were to go down, how will those who care more about vanity end up faring? Not well. You know, you, Glenda, you've said a few times, you know, it's not going to be the time to uh, be pretty and putting your makeup on and taking pictures of yourself. No, that is going to be the, the worst time to be pretty is the time coming. It's like I said in the previous podcast we did concerning the wedding garments, we need to be getting our spiritual houses in order, and that begins in our walk with the Lord, and so as to be able to discern the times as well as the threats we may encounter in the future. Amen. You know, we're certainly going to need patience, and I believe I have been shown how to wait patiently now many, many times, and there are times I even still struggle with the Lord's timing. We're seeing it now in the sense of grasping for normalcy when we know that normal, at least as we once knew it, is never coming back. It's never coming back. And you know, we're not of this world when we belong to Christ, so it's no wonder we don't fit in. Nope. But like when I used to travel to a new town every few weeks or every few months, there may be people around you, but if you have no real connection with any of them, you're still alone. Yeah, exactly. And let us not forget that we will suffer for doing good. 
but there's no shame in suffering for doing what is good. Let us remember in Matthew 5, verses 10 and 12, the word says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revel you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now note verse 12 where it says, For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. We see an example of this when we take a look at Daniel 3, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego approached King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar demanded they worship the golden statue, which was an idol, and they refused because they only served God. And as a result of their refusal, they were persecuted and thrown into a fiery furnace. You know, I, you know, I never saw until right the second when you're reading this that that could compare to the time when the mark comes out. So I wanted to add this one uh, <clears throat> note. I wanted to pray about it before I added it to this because it's really, really serious. Uh, this is just me recording by myself. When Ray and Tom and I were speaking and we were talking about taking the mark, uh, I was shown something in my spirit that I've never, ever seen before that made some of the visions I've had make a lot more sense. I saw that anyone who takes the mark, uh, if they have minor children, those children will be taken from them under the guise that, well, if you can't buy or sell, you can't provide for your children, you can't take care of your children, so they take them. And they will, of course, put them in re-education camps so they can indoctrinate them. But that is clearly why I did not see any children in the visions that I saw of the time after the mark comes out. Well, yeah, and in much the same in the times coming, these evil powers that are going to try to force us to do things that go against the word. Uh, you know, dovetailing into that, yeah, the heat's going to be on because when you get affected to the point where you can't do bank account transactions, you can't, yeah. you can't walk into a store and buy milk, eggs, bread, and butter, and yeah. you can't go to your church and you can't do the community things that you've you've wanted to do that you know that lift you up yeah. you know that's it's it's almost like it's a form of starvation well literally starvation if you can't go get food it's a prequel to the beast system right you need a passport to buy and sell and travel and fly and you know get a job and i mean you, we can see where this is going yes yeah. But that's what they're doing. They, they want everybody to worship the normalcy, you know, worship the beast and take the mark. And then we already see that persecution now, just like you mentioned in your opening, Glenda. And this is part of seeing the times. This is why we have to have the Lord's peace and mercy upon us to endure this persecution. Because if we don't know the Lord's peace, we risk being part of the great falling away. Amen. You know, Jesus told us in John 15, verse 18, if the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. And this is also greatly contrasted when we study all the miracles Jesus performed and the Pharisees continue to persecute him while demanding miraculous signs, at which he eventually told them, as we read in Mark 8, verse 12, And he sighed deeply in his spirit and saith, Why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall be no sign given unto this generation. You know, Jesus continued to teach and perform miracles and then was still persecuted up to the very point where they crucified him. I mean, they were rolling dice and making bets over his clothing and scoffing at him just before they did so. And Jesus endured it all. It's true. And then he died the death of a sinner, even though he never sinned. When you step back and take a look at things, it's the same way now. You try to show others what's taking place, and 
where we are as it pertains to scripture, and some still don't see it. It's as if they too are demanding some miraculous sign in order to believe, all the while persecuting those who are aware by putting on the peer pressure to adhere to this new normal, which separately, if you think about, is a form of idolship because it's clamoring for the worldly. Hmm. And this is why we need to understand the value of letting go, and as a result, we will suffer for doing good. You can relate back to Daniel 3, where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down and worship the idol, and though they faced death, they remained faithful to God, and God did not let them burn alive in that furnace. And in the times we live, that fiery furnace will take on other shapes and forms as it pertains to now. It also pertains to our eternity if we do not remain faithful, so we need to remember that. And Glinda, you mentioned that earlier when quoting 2 Timothy 4.17 in All We Go Through. You know, we're promised great reward for remaining faithful. So in addition to Matthew 5, uh, verses 10 and 12, which I mentioned earlier, let's also take a look at 1 Peter 3, verses 14 through 16 as an example where it says, But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, which, by the way, that's one another thing they're calling, you know, good evil, mm-hmm. if you don't go along yeah. with it, that they may be ashamed that falsely accuse you of good conversation in Christ. And, you know, me and Tom have talked about that many times where a time's going to come, uh, you know, there's going to be some conviction going on. And you were mentioning that earlier, you know, with remaining silent, you know, it's, it is, it's, it's them seeing the good in us and it's like, they can't comprehend it. They can't understand. And remember the word from second Corinthians 12, nine, that the Lord's grace is sufficient for us. And also Glinda, where you quoted uh, Philippians 4, 13 earlier, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have to remind myself that a lot on some days. Yep. And, you know, Glenda, you said, um, you know, to quote earlier here, you said Christians will eventually be branded haters and dissenters and, and be shunned. Yeah. And, you know, tying in with what Ray has mentioned, I'll preface by saying that I, too, have always been kind of an odd one out in my family. I mean, in terms of trendiness and hopping on board with what's fashionable. Yeah. So my sister, for example, refers to me as old school because I don't do Facebook. Yeah. Um, and then just until over just a year ago, I used an old flip phone because I didn't care. I, I mean, I didn't have an, another need at that time. Yeah. And, and you know, I don't care about certain kinds of clothes and pretensions. And that's neither here nor there. That's just me. It's just plain old me. Right. And, and so on and on and on and so forth, you know. Yeah. So nobody in the family except my mother, my dad, and my son ever calls me. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know... That's so strange now because I'm retired. I have more time than ever, and that's a blessing. Yet now my time and my company is clearly not valued or wanted. Yeah. And, you know, on top of that, my parents have been induced to believe that because I am unvaccinated, I represent a clear and present danger to them. That's so ridiculous. Yeah. And, you know, one particular phone call was an absolute emotional disaster, and I'll get into that in the next moment. But, you know, knowing that we're not going along with things, many of those who are in line with the political and social narratives to include taking the vaccine are increasing in their hostilities toward us. Yep. 
And, and yes, and you know, yes, taking the vaccine has now become a politicized matter and a social polarizer. Amen. And, you know, it's alarming. And, you know, I'll just go on for a moment to illustrate. You know, my parents are aged 84 and 85 now. And, of course, there have been COVID-related concerns for them. How could there not be? You know, that's just reasonable. I, I'm afraid of them catching a bad cold. You know, oh, that's yeah. an advanced age. But it is. for their respective ages, they're, they're both in robust health. Yeah, you've you know? told me that before. Yeah. yeah. And it's a supreme blessing. Everybody should be standing up and shouting glory hallelujah. Yeah. But instead, the family gathers around fear and unbelief. And I don't condemn the, the, them for this, but several have condemned me for not loving my parents enough to get a vaccine for myself. And so we can see how this insidious demonic narrative continues to play out. And it really is the stuff of insanity and some very, very wrong thinking. So I'm, I'm just trying to emphasize that, you know, that, that this is, this is not the right way for the mind to be going. And, um, so, you know, a fine example of this kind of persecution and ostracization of an outsider is what transpired when my brother called me after the entire family ignored me about getting together to celebrate Mother's Day. So instead of honoring our smart, sweet, and healthy and fully vaccinated mother, they in essence went after me as an unvaccinated villain, somehow recklessly bent on destroying our parents simply by re remaining unvaccinated and expressing some opinions about the ridiculousness of wearing masks in situations where it doesn't make any sense to wear them. And so the vaccinated now find me a threat to them. And then I got if, to think- If their vaccine oh. works, why are you a threat? I don't get that. Correct. That's exactly that's, what I've, I've said the same thing. That yeah, is the existential question here. The question is why? Why is that? Well. Yeah. I'm certainly not going to make them sick. There's no chance of that, or very little chance. We are, well, a greatly reduced chance, or the if best it, chance. If the vaccine, so if it's so wonderful, right, right, and so, you know, I, and I, I prayed about this because I was in angst and I was angry. I was hurting. At one moment, I wanted to cry about it. Another moment, I wanted to put my fist through the wall. You know how we go. <laughs> right. And I'm like, and I thought. Why is this? And I got an answer, and it's a very simple one. It's simply because I stand in disagreement with them. Yep, it's just I like mean, the cancel culture. If you don't agree yeah. with us, we're gonna ostracize you. There you go. So long story short, instead of partnering with me, for example, to provide a lovely picnic at a beautiful local park where we would order in fried chicken and all the fixings with strawberry shortcake, which is mom's favorite, right? Yeah. My brother began cursing at me like a drunken sailor when he called. Oh. Oh. Out of the morning, one after two o'clock in the afternoon, calls me and just starts, doesn't even listen to my voice, just starts cursing. Good grief. You know, it, it, it was like blank this and blank, blank that. And I was, you know, a blank this or a blank that, you know how it goes. And yeah. so was my blank, blank son. He attacked so your son. He attacked my 21-year-old son, and this man is 56 years old. Oh. So I'm just saying it it has gotten to a point of unreason. And um you know he also doesn't realize when you attack a person who serves God devotedly 
the repercussions are rather severe. I have seen well, this happen again and again. That's why Moses fell on his face yeah. and interceded when he was when they came against him. That's why, because he knew what would happen. And you know what? And there's a golden rule here as well that's more of an earthly thing, but you don't attack somebody's son, daughter, no. kitty cat, no. or puppy dog. You no. just don't. That's messed up. <laughs> yeah. And so to boot, you know, during this very unfortunate conversation, I was called, and I can say these words because they're just plain old English. I was called selfish, arrogant, uncaring, and hateful. None of which you are. I've known you for years. You are not any of those oh, things. I try not to be. I have my angry moments, but I, I, had, I really had to rein it in. And, you know, we all say things that we don't want to say sometimes, but sure. this is no time to be to be firing back. And I, you know, yeah. and then the thing that really got to me, well, the thing that got to me most was, was when my son was attacked. But oh yeah, the other thing that really stuck with me um, is that I was told that if I killed our parents, I would never hear the end of it. And I thought, never hear the end of it where? Um, you know, in my house, your house, in a tree house, at the train <laughs> yeah. station, downtown, uptown, somebody's backyard. You know, what, what do you mean by that? And, and I thought, okay, I'm not going to say a word. Nope. I was, I was really upset at this point now. Yes. And I was shocked. I was dismayed. I was hurt. I was sad. I was angry all at once. I mean, talk about sensory overload, you know? So yeah. the only thing I could say to my brother was, this conversation is inappropriate. How dare you speak to me in this manner? Goodbye. And I hung up on him. Good job. I mean, you know, talk about sticking around and try to put, trying to put a grease fire out by throwing water on it. I mean, to engage in something like this just increases the disaster. Which is you, probably why he attacked your son, because he was trying to provoke you. He and was he, trying he, to go nuclear before we even started with the BB He guns. was trying to go nuclear because he knew you would flip out, and then he could slander you some more about that. That's yeah, right. Tom does not need to be putting up with that type of abuse. I mean, it's one no. thing to be merciful, but that's just straight-up abuse. You are not a welcome mat to be treated that way. No. Right. And I'm sure next time that that slam in the phone down will come much sooner. Well, um, it won't happen at all because... Now, like Ray had said earlier, I haven't I haven't blocked anyone. I haven't closed the door. But you better believe I screen those calls and those texts. Oh yeah, I'm with you, you know. on that. So I'm going to decide in a calm moment after I've taken a breath that you know exactly what I'm going to say and how I'm going to react, rather than being caught like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so oh, anyway, an attack like that is so unexpected. I've done right. that before during an attack like that. Just my mouth just hang open, and I'm j I just like sit there, like, are you kidding me? This can't be happening. I know and you're so like you don't little, little what? because you're yeah, you, know, you just kind of go on lockdown. <laughs> I know. So, so, you know, and 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 the, and the bad thing is this stuff is like napalm because it's like it, yeah. you get blasted with it, and then it you can't get it off fast enough, and it just <laughs> lays there and continues to burn. Yep. It does. I've had Vietnam vets tell me about that non, that awful stuff. It's an unforgiveness and, test for sure. And it's a oh, tough yeah. one. It's a tough one. Because you right. know that that was unjustified and you didn't deserve it. You know That's it That's right. So, 
So then because of this continuing burn-in, as we say, with this kind of bad stuff, this is how toxic this stuff is. And it all comes from the pit. Um, immediately, I was then slandered mercilessly behind my back uh. after, I, after I hung up that phone. And this is after several members of my family manipulated our mother and extracted from her a private conversation that she and I had understood very well. My mom and I respect one another. We're, we're close. Yeah. But she's 84 years old and they got to her. Of course, of course. You know, because when you're when you're old, it's really hard to hold up under that kind of pressure. Yes, it is. And you don't have that kind of defense anymore. You're too no, tired you of that kind of defense. And you're you shouldn't have to have it. Even if you have a sharp mind like her, you're too tired at 84. Yeah. And so, and I just, you know, I don't want to digress too far or go off on a tangent, but those who manipulate the elderly really are in a class by themselves. And it's all the way down, all the mm -hmm. way down. That's as low right. as you can go when you manipulate it's, the elderly. That's the scum of the earth in my book. It's pretty bad, yeah. So, and you know, I'm not standing in, in terrible judgment here. I'm just observing that this is not a good thing. This is no. not healthy. And so, suffice it to say, um, sadly, nobody got together for Mother's Day. How sad. And I'm now considered to be to blame for it. That's your fault too. Okay. That's my right. fault because I'm the unvaccinated divider. Okay. Now that Father's Day is just around the corner, of course, the same pattern persists. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is not about safety, health, or anything worthy at this point. No. It's, it's now about separation, hatred, intolerance, and yep. altogether wrong thinking. Yep. You know, and, and, you know, kind of on my way to wrapping it up, you know, this is, this is not what friends do, you know, real friends at least, right? No, it's so not. I am sorry to say, and I'm going to put this out here because I think this is something that we all have struggled with, not even just with this issue, but on many other levels, but I'm having a really hard time forgiving my misguided and mean-spirited brother yeah. for contributing to division, fear, lack of respect, yeah. and lack of clarity and understanding. And you know, um, because of what I've always held near and dear, because what I've always held near and dear has devolved into seeming madness, I've gone silent in response. I don't blame you. I would have too. I, I don't know how to, I don't know. How do you come how, back from that? I don't have a craft worthy of navigating those waters, let's just say. No. You know? Um, and, and, and they've gone silent with me now even though they continue to murmur in darkness behind my back. Yeah. As if I wouldn't know that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm really, I mean, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I'm not dumb, right? So <laughs> that's like, that's, that's exactly, that's exactly what I was talking about earlier right. with my, with, with my extended family at Christmas time. It's like, uh, you work with me and you talk to people when you go out for happy hour that I work with and you don't think I'm going to find out. Right. I can find out just by being quiet. It'll come out. I always like, find like out. You don't, like you don't think that loops, loose lips don't sink ships. I, right? I won't even be looking at it. It'll just be mentioned as a matter of factly. I'll be like, oh, really? Right. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm just going to say, in, in a sense, I've experienced both, in a way, the direct persecution and its silent cousin. Yeah. Because those two wicked ones are always walking together. They like, they love one another. You're so, right. um, 
so sadly, you know, this is the latest in the saga, you know, and I haven't even mentioned two previous letters of communication involved, you know, both of both of them about as disconcerting and, and discouraging as they could be. And, you know, it all actually began last summer in July, where my mother's 83rd birthday party was ruined by the same brother. And this was after my son and I went over there and cooked the birth the, the birthday brunch. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm just offering my experience in terms of relatableness. Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to interject despair into it because we should not be despairing. You're not. But I want to offer hope that some of this will be healed. But I know exactly who to turn to, and that's Jesus. Amen. So if it comes down to my family versus Jesus, I'm going to choose Jesus. Hello, I'm sorry. Amen. And, you know, and I already have. And this is what keeps me from getting down in the ring and just wallowing in the mud and throwing stones and, you know, getting out bigger and bigger weapons and trying to go nuclear, right? Yeah. And so I would just hope that they wouldn't hate me for that. Or, you know, at least I would hope. Yeah. You know, Tom, I think the fear they've gotten into as a result of the, is a result of the constant brainwashing the mainstream news is doing. Yeah. I don't watch the mainstream news and have it for a long time. Yeah. But they keep reinforcing the fear of the COVID, you know, fear of COVID, fear of blah, blah, blah. You know, it's all, all it's all opinions and talking points. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's they all want to make, emotional. They want to make everybody so afraid that they will do whatever they're told to do. That's mm -hmm. the way Satan has always controlled people. The Father, Son, and Holy Ghost never try to control or force anyone to do anything through fear. Anytime right. you feel fear, ask yourself where it's coming from. The answer will always be Satan. It will never be from the Lord because he has not given us a spirit of fear. Oh, yes, indeed, Glenda. And, and you know, knowing that I know this deeply meaning that I know the truth behind what fuels fear, as you've said, yeah. I am able to calm down and step back and realize that others in many instances just don't even know what they're doing. Yeah, and, Satan has control of my thing. Right, and, and so then it's not about me at all. It's about taking a stand, yet also having compassion and resisting the temptation to fight or defend. Yeah. Now, at least for now, Many of us can retreat, yeah. but many of us may very well have to fight in the future, and it doesn't promise to be very pretty. No. Um, I don't know what the future holds for all of us, but all I can say to anybody who's going through this kind of angst and heartache is, hang in there, endure as best you can, remember who the healer is, healer with a capital H, Yeah. Uh, don't feed the fire. And right at the top of the list, and this is this is the biggie right here, is to forgive no matter hard it seems to get. Yeah. And, you know, if you realize that it's Satan and his demons doing it, not the person you're looking at, yes, I think right. that helps more than anything else, or it always helped me. Yes. So in the end, the Bible foretells that we will be persecuted and tells us what to do about it in 2 Timothy 3, 11 to 14. Persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's not maybe or my child, that's mm -hmm. shall. 
but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's why they persecute, because they're deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and thou and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Talking about the Holy Spirit. I never like to end the Just Praise Him program without giving an invitation for anyone listening who is not saved to join the worldwide family of the one true God. If you have never known Jesus, I can testify there is nothing that will change your life more for the better, bring you more help with whatever problems you have, or give you more peace. He has a peace that is so big, it don't even make sense. And it's a peace that no amount of alcohol, drugs, or anything else can ever give you in this earth. If you would like to have that, it's free. All you have to do is invite him. He's standing by you right now, hoping, just hoping that you'll say yes. You can just repeat this short prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I am weary of my life. I am tired of the emptiness, the emptiness I feel. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Please come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. Amen. Please help me live for you for the rest of this life. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, welcome to the worldwide family of God. You're one of our brothers or sisters now. I hope this podcast has been a blessing to you. I would like to thank my guests again for making the time to share their experiences with all of us. Thank you, Ray. Would you like to give your contact information to the listeners where they can see your blog and, and uh, how they can contact you? Sure. Well, the best way the listeners can uh, contact me is on the contact form I have set up on my blog. Uh, you gave that at the beginning of the site, uh, at the beginning of the podcast, but I'll uh, mention that again. Uh, it's innocenceredeemed.blog. And if you go to the about section, there is a contact form on there. And any emails you send through that contact form, they come directly to me. Okay. And Tom, thank you so much for sharing your experiences. I know there was a lot of pain involved when you're going through that. And and I really appreciate you doing that. Would you like to give your contact information where listeners can contact you? Sure, Glenda, and thank you very much. Uh, I don't have a blog or a ministry. I'm just plain old me. <laughs> um, <laughs> very often I comment on uh, the Just Praise Him blog. That's true. Uh, but my my personal email is uh, tej.bixler at uh, gmail.com okay as we close i want to leave you all with some thoughts about paul the apostle you know he went through a lot of persecution himself this is from a site called theletterpile.com and it's the virtue of gratitude many people see the apostle paul as a harsh man even a sourpuss likely due to the few instances where he corrected erring saints in churches or for bad things as when he said, women must be quiet in church and not preach or teach over a man in 1 Corinthians 4, 1 Timothy 2. But if you read the book of Acts and Paul's epistles, you will see the man was driven by love and gratitude. How can such a man, evangelist and pastor, reach so many people for Christ with such love and gratitude, considering his great sufferings? Charles Spurgeon said, you cannot always be speaking his praise, but you can always be living his praise. Paul the Apostle lived God's praise. He only cared about God getting the glory by winning souls for Christ. In his former life, Paul was a well-to-do, highly respected, high-ranking Pharisee who vehemently hated and persecuted Christians. Then one day on the road to Damascus with 
permission in his hands to throw saints into jail, God knocked him off his high horse, blinded, blinded him, and revealed himself to Paul. All that pride left in one moment, one God shot, and then the real suffering began. Here is what Paul said in Philippians about his life. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. That's Philippians 3, 8. That's powerful. He used the words everything, surpassing all and rubbish. He was bound in prison when he wrote that. Philippians is a letter of overwhelming joy and rejoicing and encouragement for believers to do likewise. In other words, just keep your focus on Jesus. Thanks for listening. Jesus bless you. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address, JPH Inc., Glenda Lomax, P.O. Box 60, Glencoe, Arkansas, 72539 or by email at jphtoday at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination. If you ask anyone you know what the most difficult experience of their life has been, many will answer about a time of betrayal. All those called to walk the narrow path will, at some point, encounter Judas. How will you respond? Do you know how to recognize Judas when he shows up in your life? Can you keep Judas from bringing destruction to your life and ministry? How can you minimize what Judas cost you? Can you pass the test of absolute betrayal? Get your copy of The Judas Test, available in print and new audiobook. The Judas Test by Glenda Lomax, available now on Amazon.com. Sold out for 30 pieces of silver? In Exodus 21:32, it is the price of a dead slave. In Leviticus 27, 2-7, it is the price of a live one. Jesus was sold for the price of a bondservant. Precious Jesus, the Son of God. The Prince of Peace? The King of Kings? Why did Judas sell his friend out so cheap? Have you heard? The 2016 and 2017 messages have been published in book form. Even those who do not profess a belief in God can see something is amiss in the world around us. What is coming for our world in these last days? What does the Lord want us doing while we're waiting for His glorious reappearance? Time of Reckoning and Soon It Will Be Night each contain approximately 200 prophetic messages and visions from the throne room of God telling what is coming to America and the world in these end times. The Lord has always warned nations when they were headed for destruction. He has always warned His own people. Are we also being warned? Get your copy of Time of Reckoning and Soon It Will Be Night, available now on Amazon.com.
What is in store for the once great and mighty nation of America in these end times? What is the living God saying to the people of America now? What could possibly be in store for a nation that once trusted in God, but has changed its path from following in the living God's ways to now removing Him from everything and walking the other way? In the book, No Longer Mind, you will find all the messages to America collected in one place in chronological order. No Longer Mind, Messages to an Unrepentant Nation is now available in print at wingsofprophecy.com in the bookstore tab. Get your copy of No Longer Mind today.